This is Up The Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend Daniel Krupa and me, Gav Murphy. Today, we're figuring out how an OAP with a love of Greek mythology could predict the death of a Swiss businessman. On this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method, and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect in the eye of Tiresias? An old woman's dreams magically predict the details of two deaths. I love this episode. It's a good episode. I do like this episode. It is, again, like kind of going into the idea of like uh, Mr. Spearfish from the last episode. It does feel like they're dipping their toes even in dreams and stuff like that into like a bit more supernaturally stuff yeah and fate and predestination yeah. and concepts like that and we've got characters who very much believe in them with yeah. the character of heidi absolutely and you know like the best thing as well about um audrey uh heidi's aunt i think the way that they both sell it is you know we we're talking about in the last episode like how like you know, as an audience, you're not for a second sold on Mr. Spearfish's tale because the actor was so shite. Having Rebecca Front and Marjorie Mason as yeah. like Heidi and her aunt. Um, Great actors. Like, they sell it completely because it's, you can tell that they're like, yes, it is all a bit mad. We know that, but this is what we've been presenting with and this is how we're dealing with it. I love it. I think it's brilliant. It's just acting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> bit of acting for you the setup's good yeah it's it's a it seems almost one of the most impossible things he's ever encountered mm. because to see something a day before yeah that's a really hard impossible thing whereas you can understand the magic around somebody appearing in a wardrobe there's going to be a, a there's yeah. going to be a mechanical or a staging explanation this seems genuinely supernatural. Yeah, but also based within really weirdly British scenarios going on at the same time. But also really strange as well, um, that she does predict the details of deaths. There's one main one, which is the death of Andre Masson. Uh, yeah, this is the central one. Yeah, really. but it's really odd how, and I, I've forgotten about this until I uh, rewatched it, but it's like how little time we spend with that part of the story. Because you get it a little bit, but then it all comes... You're pretty much always locked into, like, Audrey and stuff. And that's... Um, you know, we'll get on to the method, which is that actually Audrey Masson has staged an elaborate suicide um, to frame his employee who's having an affair with his wife for murder. Um, but a CD containing a fake version of the murder finds his way into Aunt Audrey's hi-fi. Um, and I think... I was really hard to write that. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, it is, I, I thought, like, it's got so many parallels with the death in the House of Monkeys, which is, like, a locked room, impossible yes. murder, yes. a recording of some sort um, as being, like, one of the main clues. And I think maybe that's why we spend so little time with this part of it. So you can kind of go, hang on, if you make those people lots, like, big characters, people are going to start putting those two uh, episodes together a bit more. I think it's also like House of Monkeys in a different way, in the sense that when Doctor Strange impales himself on the sword, it makes it look accidentally like a murder. Mm. In this one, because the CD is taken and we don't end up framing Craig, yeah, 
and it finds its way into Auntie Audrey's house, mm. it creates the supernatural effect that yeah. was never intended. Yeah, yeah. In the same way as in House of Monkeys, that's not really what the murder ever intended to happen. Absolutely, yeah. That's really good. Again, you know, when all the sort of weird coincidences like sort of line up and sometimes they're frustrating with this, they are absolutely mad, but I kind of like it. I think the one about the fish food at the market is... I, I think it is staggering how he can latch onto that. Yeah. Even for Jonathan. Because he has this line, oh, it's amazing what you find at markets. Glimpses into the future. Yeah. <laughs> he, it's almost as if he knows at that moment what he, he's done it. Yeah. I think. Maybe because it's so, as you say, like mind-numbingly banal, that bit. That it's just like, yeah. That's, I'm sorry, but that is just probably what happened, and that is what happened. It's really strange. It's like it's amazing what you can find in markets in this episode. It's amazing what you can find on the internet last episode. <laughs> Jonas has never just been out of the windmill. Yeah. Um, it's amazing what you can find if you just think about things, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the other clue uh, is that Andre Masson was actually like in the middle of a big fraud case um and he was yeah. just about to probably go to prison for a long time well they've seen they see that a couple of times so i guess what that does is establishes the fact that he might have a reason to kill himself so you know this i don't think they're the best clues because i don't think you're getting it from them at all well i think like that's almost like what is a tiny bit frustrating about this episode is you're like uh, originally you're like oh cool like a little locked room mystery like this is gonna be awesome but you don't actually that's not the very that's not the big focus of this episode the focus is whether or not auntie audrey can see into the future i think and also the epiphanies i don't get the epiphany at all in this episode i really He's don't in, because they're filming, because Heidi works for a production company, they're using his windmill to film a period drama. Yeah. And it's raining and they're all crowded inside. And he says on the phone to Maddie, not a great deal of progress. And he seems to have an epiphany. Yeah. No, she's not as it happened. She was taking her aunt to the doctors this morning. Uh, no, sorry. Something just popped in there suddenly. Look, if you can check out that woman in the car and this bloke Downey, Find out if he's had any burglaries lately. I can't follow the line no. of that epiphany at all. It's almost as if he just has one. <laughs> yeah, I think it just comes to him and it's nothing to do with what is actually being said or done, which is a bit shit, really. <laughs> I mean, is that Renwick just being quite lazy, not getting the scene right to give him that epiphany? I feel you could find something in all that filming going on to have that a moment. Yeah. I'd, uh... Like somebody playing a CD or something. Yeah. Yeah, like because what they could be doing is playing a CD of some sound effects or something yeah, in the background, you know? I don't know. Like the actual, um, yeah, because the actual, you know, we we talk about whether or not things make sense. Like the actual setting up of the murder is so elaborate. <laughs> but I, the thing that I don't like, the thing that I can't connect or figure out how he was expecting the police to connect his Craig's Frank Sinatra CD to the murder of Andre Masson. What do you mean? Was it like, why would... Because he goes and plants the CD in Craig's yes. house. How would he expect the police then find that? Well, I think he was banking on the police finding his contact lens and then searching his house. You're not searching the fucking CDs. You're not going to listen to every single CD, are you? You're not finding that. I don't think you would, especially not with the police that exist. In, they're too lazy to look in some... Paint cans. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're the, not listening to every CD. If you went around someone's house to interview them, like, as the main said, you'd be like, well, one, your contact lens is on the floor. If I was that guy, I'd be like, 
I work in that building. Um, like yeah. I was, I was meant to be going in for a meeting, which is something that happens all the time. I could have lost my contact lens in there. Um, also, he's got a brilliant alibi. I guess that also depends on them finding the CD because the the point yeah. of the CD, which I kind of forgot a little bit, was yeah. it's a time shift murder, which is Jonathan says a classic Columbo plot. So yeah. the idea is he killed him earlier that morning. Yes, um, that's why the CD exists at all. Exactly. Yeah, and and also as well, it's a really fun thing in the episode, which kind of <laughs> oh, it kind of like dispels any haters of the storyline because uh, he's like it's so stupid and elaborate that they'd have to believe it and you're like okay fine okay then yeah. we have to go along with it i mean i'm pulling it i'm pulling jonathan creek up on that line in the same way that i pulled it up as remote control gizmo yeah we're getting to we're getting down to that over elaborate explanation that maddie offers up in seasons one and two yeah like this is so tortuous that i feel it's not elegant I just think if you're the main suspect, they might come round to your house. They might search your house for a gun or something. They're not taking away every single CD. There's absolutely no way they're doing that. I'd, I think that's odd. I think that's really, um, really odd. Unless there was a... I don't know. But there wasn't. There was, he didn't know he was going to be murdered technically. So he was, he's not leaving any... Uh, notes or anything saying check the Frank Sinatra CD. You would, if you were a police, you go, why on earth would he keep this? Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, you just wouldn't keep it, would you? Yeah, I guess not. Um, I think there's two big good bits of magic, though, if we're talking about method. Mm. Um, well, one good bit of foreshadowing, the lottery trick at the beginning of the episode. Yes. Use, use, uses time shifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I guess there's a... F- Maybe there's a, the goldfish ball he is in. It's mm. a little bit like the goldfish ball. Maybe Jonathan makes a connection between those things yeah, and the time yeah. shifter trick. Yeah. And then the other thing is um, a concept that's used quite commonly in a lot of mentalism is mm. the four effect. Basically, humans making connections between things that don't exist. Yeah. Which yeah. is how Audrey foresees, in inverted commas, the second death, the oh RP my. death. Also, I've just written down like she did not foresee that. Uh, <laughs> exactly but that that's that whole thing that underpins cold reading and yeah even astrology people latching on too much significance to things absolutely because even in this is like uh when <laughs> when she's like she finds out that the lady in the jaguar car was killed and she's uh said that a creature with wings she's like a jaguar is a creature a car has wings fuck off that is too much that is i, I think famously <laughs> cars don't have wings i think what you're thinking of Anthony audrey is a in plane like i understand like the panels are called wings and they no. sometimes refer to as wing mirrors that does not make that is not what you're I, talking I, about I, I googled it also apparently spoilers can be called wings really yeah, but no. But I think I think that is to stress that effect yeah. where you, if you're in that mindset, yeah. any little detail you go, oh yeah, that's that. Yeah, that makes sense. that's and it, then you it. ignore all the things that don't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Audrey's got mad on that one. <laughs> so that's, I think that's a good little bit of magic technique. Yeah, magic that is nice to be fair. It's quite it's nice and elegant to be fair as well. It's, and it's different from a physical or practical effect that we've had in other episodes. The reveal is quite strange in this one because. They obviously reveal it to the like to Aunt Audrey and Heidi. You don't get the <laughs> reveal no. to the people who are waiting on this murder, but you do get a reveal about the Jaguar lady or like, the police. It's the fucking... police aren't really present in this. It's, well, 
to a degree, but they're not involved in no. the ending. It's, it's a really strange one, that is. Like, I, I don't understand how we don't have that. Also, it's a proper test of their theory. Yeah. Because they're talking about it. They don't know what's on that CD yet. It's yes. weird that it's under the goldfish ball. Yeah, that is weird. There's one, one place I haven't checked. Yeah. That is really, really, really strange. Because that, that is basically his epiphany, isn't it? Where he sees, he thinks, goldfish bowl, of course. Um, that's that's all mad. You know, the, the lottery thing? That yeah. was like a big Darren Brown show, wasn't it? Where he predicted yeah. the lottery numbers. He actually hates it. Does he? He's not a big fan of it. Um, I was listening to a podcast where he was going through a lot of his career. And at the time... He'd done, I think he'd done the Russian roulette one and right, the seance yeah. one. And Channel 4 were pushing him for these bigger and bigger stunts. Right. And he actually got a bit of a backlash to that one. Yeah. What was the backlash? Just before, I just, I think he didn't think it was very artistic. And yeah. He liked the he liked the concept of it, but mm. it's one of those things where people go, oh, no, that's not true. And it's like, well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I think that's one where he said, I think people felt cheated more than they felt amazed. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, with that, there's a really, really fine line. Uh, (laughs) This is almost him going, oh, I'm going to do another version of the trick that you know. And they're like, it relies on you being impressed by that. Whereas I don't think a lot of people are. Heidi is. Heidi thinks it's genuine magic. (laughs) Yeah, she's mad. (laughs) She thinks it's real. She thinks everything is real. I quite like that though. But also, she seems to have quite a, like an important job in this uh, in this film industry, particularly Leonard Street. Yeah, she it feels like she's got quite an important job for someone whose mind is so wild. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna say it. Why not? Me and you had a conversation when um, you find out someone really believes in astrology. Oh yeah, and you just go, all right. <laughs> and like i'm I, I like the idea overall behind it but people like and the idea of the theory behind it and how you can use it to enrich your life and i, I, I do think some of that stuff is nice but and I'm, I'm happy with it but it's when people are pinning a lot of stuff on it and being like oh this is this because you were born on this date which i think is very strange Good luck to them. They, they seem like they're having a nice time. So who am I to jump in there and say anything? Some people might not like Welsh stuff. So, you know, it's a very different thing, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Wales is real. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's go. I've got a few things about, does it make sense? Yeah. If you shot yourself, would you sh- would you drop the gun sufficiently far away from your body that it didn't look like you were you committed suicide? I yeah. don't think you can bank on that. No. Also, it's a horrible looking suicide. I've put yeah, it come this I bring that up in uh that all right and that all right to be fair. It's like to put that all that gore on a Saturday night. Really grisly. Disgusting. Also, does it make sense? Well, this just has to exist for it to happen at mm. all. So Auntie Audrey needs a multi disc C D player. Yeah. <laughs> She's not just putting that on and just playing it, going. This is weird. Yeah. It has to be in rotation. Yeah. No, that's true. I guess that's probably something, to be fair, I've put that in the thing that's dated the most. <laughs> it's like a CD changer. <laughs> like, without that, it just doesn't happen. And also, no. I guess the idea of whatever you're listening to while you sleep becomes your dream. Although, to be fair... I, well, it doesn't happen to me, but I don't know. To be fair, I um have I listened to Rain to go to sleep, and I found one last night which was a storm at a which was like you're inside 
um, a house which is on the coast and it's just and it's like you know a lonely house and the picture on YouTube is just this really creepy house with a big forest behind it um, and it's on the just like literally on the sea basically and I last night I had a horrible dream that I was in that cabin um, or maybe right, I, t- I rescind that yeah so. but I, I think like I don't think that it's a, it's a rule whereas like the thing that you listen to will be in your dream I don't think All right, we've had the effect, the method, and the reveal. But there are other elements which make up a Jonathan Creek show, um, including the Victor Meldrew Award for the most unbelievable moment. There's some silly sitcom stuff in here. Um, There's loads. I think, uh, again, also a lot, like this so many times this happens in Jonathan Creek, which like common sense just gets chucked out the fucking window with Jonathan not hearing the woman and then the woman... Heidi setting up an entire film shoot because he's just gone, yeah. Um, yeah. Because he can't hear well, It's music. also a great misunderstanding in innu- based on an innuendo. Yeah. She says, do you mind us going upstairs and humping our gear about? Yeah. Which you would never say if you're hiring someone for a shoot. No. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. Uh, and I also, as well, as like, I, I, like, I've only been slightly involved in some shoots, big shoots and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure she was out in the night prepared to try <laughs> if she's out in the night she's not been able no. to organize a full-on movie shoot <gasps> i know like in a couple Get to of his hours house. i remember yeah. as well she's getting she's getting home late and she's getting home late and she has to deal with fucking auntie audrey uh, <laughs> having a horrible nightmare and stuff also just linked to with that is when john wakes up in the morning and he's naked mm. and you hear the cap- camera operator say oh still still a bit of a wobble yeah <laughs> That's really good. Uh, I think that probably does earn the Meldrew this week. Mm. But I think a little note, like little mention for Maddie being put down a rubbish chute. Oh my God. No, no, no. That belongs nowhere near Jonathan Creek episode. What is I mean, going on? How's he got her in it? Like, as if you would do that. And, and like, she'd be really hurt. Um, it's really strange. I was like, I, I had it in you in most British thing, but like, they've basically, they've almost given her like a sitcom catchphrase. Like, she always says, "You bastards!" When something yeah. has happened, it's like they've almost given yeah. her like a little catchphrase. Yeah, she's getting close to that, isn't she? which is a bit weird. Um, I guess as well, very sitcommy and very unbelievable is Maddie and the two men. That whole storyline is such, yeah. so bad. Classic um, misunderstanding setup that you get in lots of sitcoms. But I do actually do like it, to be fair. Uh, I you think, get, I think that is straight funny. up out with something like Frasier as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's, that's some good Meldrew. Uh, that we think this dated the most other than the CD changer. Um, I've put Maddie's Nokia 3310 in this episode as well. Oh, very good. Um, The thing I put is um, the idea of, like, the dickhead boss and, like, businessmen making people wait on purpose. Like, he's eating his croissant with a knife and fork, so he's eating it really slowly and stuff. Like, I feel like that is an idea. I 
I've never dealt with it really, but I feel like the idea of like a boss being an absolute shitter for the sake of it is quite an, a dated thing. But maybe it still happens. I don't know, man. Something else that would go into dated the most, mm-hmm. I think, because there were relatively new contact lenses as plot points. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think that would happen anymore. Whereas now it's back then it was like, oh, this thing you could that would drop out all the time and would identify you. Pretty sure there's there's like a lot of sitcom stuff as well, which is all based around someone losing a contact lens or and finding stuff one like in that. bed. Oh yeah, it's incriminating. Also, the fact that he doesn't have contact lenses that have his fingerprints on them. Yeah, it's kind of could weird, blunt to anyone. They really strange. Um, burning a CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. I used to like, oh man, I used to like really love burning CDs and like putting my little discman on the way to work, on the way to school. Like that was really, really good. Remember, uh, again, it's hard for this bit not to sound like crap old yeah. observational stand up, but you remember your discman would have that like shock. Yeah. Second rating. Like <laughs> I could be running for 30 seconds before this baby cuts out. <laughs> yeah. I remember as well when I, I got a discman that was. Like, I had an MP3 player, but that was, like, 16 meg. Um, so, obviously, like, CDs, you could put 650 meg on, was it? Something like that. So, it was, like, obviously, a considerable amount more of a uh, thing. And I had a disc one that could read MP3s from a CD. Oh, happy oh, days, mate. Happy you days. You a lot of music on that. Yeah. I had one in my car as well. Like, I remember buying it um, from Halfords. My car, my very first car that I ever got, cost £120. Uh, and my very first stereo Your that car. I had. My car cost £120. And my stereo uh, that I bought cost £150. <laughs> Wow. My dad, my dad bought my car because my dad was a um a cement mixer uh, driver. So he'd obviously like go around different people's places doing cement work uh, and like, but like to people's houses and stuff, like doing their drives and stuff. And um he would just like meet people and be like, oh, how much you want for that car? And this guy was just selling a car. My dad gave him 120 quid cash on the day, and then he just brought my he, that was my car. That was my birthday car. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. <laughs> but I spent 150 quid on the stereo. <laughs> Talking about stereos as well, um, when Craig gets burgled, mm. he says he has five grand of possessions taken, but yeah. he refers to his stuff as gear. Gear, yeah. <laughs> I put that in my most British thing, to be fair. Uh, it's quite British, actually. <laughs> you just don't hear it anymore. Yeah, gear, my gear. I think it's because gear has been taken over in Britain by cocaine. Like, yeah. if you're getting some gear in, um, that's cocaine rather than... That's like what I thought he meant. You shouldn't be telling the police. Yeah, that's how blatant he is. He's like, that's how much I didn't kill Mass on. I'm prepared to tell you that I had five grand's worth of cocaine in my flat. Um, <laughs> uh, have you got anything else to date it the most? The PC mic Mass on has that looks a bit like... I had that PC mic. Oh, and it's yeah. almost like the blankety-blank mic. Yeah. I had that as well. I think that they must have been so cheap to make. But if you looked at any uh, 90s and early 2000s photo of a brand new PC, it would always be in the thing as if it was just like, this comes with it. This is you know white stick mic. Yeah, this is a but multimedia thing. the recording thing. quality oh, yeah, so good. You could fool people standing outside a locked room. Freaking mad. Absolute mad. <laughs> What's your most British thing? I like the phrase we could order a pot of tea and let it get cold as yeah. sexy dialogue <laughs> yeah using tea in sexy dialogue <laughs> yeah that's really good actually i've put actually another tea related one um just 
going around your aunt's house and having a cup of tea on really nice china rather than in mugs. Like, oh, that's good. My great auntie Megan would not drink tea out of a mug. She would only drink it out of a cup and saucer. That is a very old school British thing. I love it. I absolutely love it. I might start bringing that back because I do love my mugs that I've got and I get happy depending on you know every day like today i've got uh, a baltimore mug that i bought recently uh that says there's so more there's so much more than murder here so it's quite kitschy and quite crap but i don't know i get a bit happy when i get my mugs you should you should get something like really fine from a welsh pottery yeah that'd be because that's what i was thinking i was like i either go that or have but then i don't know i i kind of i like mixing it up every day and having a different mug because i feel like it puts me in a different mood uh, also maybe, it's kind to the mugs maybe i'll do that then for our live streams when we're doing like nice live streams i'll get a, like a really nice um welsh bone china uh, live <laughs> mug yeah to do that that was quite nice actually i like that um i've put uh those which i like i only kind of see them in you always see them in like when there's free beer on when you get those like little tall thin tall glasses which i think are actually european they're more like italian and or german but that you always oh. see them at like do's where there's like free booze like, like that yeah oh i meant to ask you this earlier why is the thing they're at the beginning i have absolutely no idea they don't say do they yeah i had no idea either i think they say it's a charity do but i might be making that up the other big british thing i had in Demon Headmaster. The prefects are the voice of the headmaster. I will not endure disorder. He's powerless. Perhaps you'd better watch out. Look at me. For the Demon Headmaster, Wednesday at 4.35 on Children's BBC One. Yeah. Wild, isn't it? Like the guy who plays Masson was in a British uh, TV show when we were growing up called The Demon Headmaster, which is fucking terrifying. Should not have been on telly. This would be a year after Demon Headmaster. So when we saw him in this episode, we would have gone, Ugh. oh shit. That's awesome. Auntie Audrey having a spoonful of brandy to put her back to sleep. I feel like that's quite a British thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've, I've written as well five grand worth of gear. <laughs> You should start referring to our stuff as gear. Gear. <laughs> That's a funny thing to bring back, to be fair. I quite like that. Uh, you guys think that's the most British thing? Nope. The only thing I've got in the category for, is that all right, is showing that suicide or suicide inverted commas. Like, because all that blood and all that gore for a Saturday night feels excessive. It's a really horrible suicide scene. Yeah. Uh, oh, at the time you think it's murder, but bloody mm. hell, it's really full on. It's buzzing, absolutely buzzing. I think I've got a good one here. Yeah. Absolute no guilt for the death of Becky Phillips whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Because we find out she's nervous about flying and the postman mm. has told her about this dream. So she thinks she's going to die. So indirectly, Auntie Audrey is responsible for death. <laughs> yeah, and and when Jonathan right. lies this out, that... Oh, you telling the postman who tells her yeah. you put her in such a nervous disposition. She was already. Yeah. She's run herself off the road. Nothing and they happens, all just go, yeah. And they all just move on. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, she probably deserves it. She'd drive a jag. It's literally <laughs> blood on Aunt Audrey's hands. Here. Yeah, that is wild, that is. That's a really, really wild thing. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, if... We don't have anything else. We can move on to more disgusting things and open up the grot cabinet if you would like. Yeah. Um, Always. When Maddie 
is well uh, maddie has a lot of like double entendres about the food you don't get much do you not lately <laughs> i love that and uh when she says come around tomorrow and I'll, I'll impress you with the size of my portions yeah <laughs> <laughs> loving it <laughs> well the um, whole kind of scenario with those two I, we haven't really spoken about those like i always yeah. think the guy playing gino in my head is billy zane yeah it looks a lot like him but that guy's gone on another career he has yeah what was he in like this is lucifer not lucifer what was well, he in? Something like that. The the thing I actually really remember from he was he was Stephen Sa- Summers or Saunders in Twenty Four. That's right. He yeah, a, but he's gone on and been in loads of episodes of Arrow and Flash. That's it. He's got actual character in that. In that yeah, he's Arrowverse thing. Like, yeah. TV career in America. But mm-hmm. I always think it's Billy Zane. I always feel like with that type of person, he is a very 90s looking fella because it felt like everybody who was getting famous around that time looked like that guy. I mean, they found two of them like pretty easily for this episode. Well, he you know? is very like, much the Angier and the other guy is Root. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, he's like, he's just got a little bit more of like a chubby face, isn't he? I like that guy though. He makes me laugh. The um, whole scenario is what... So there's the Grot cabinet at the end where I don't know if they are propositioning her to some degree. No, I don't think they are. I think they were phoning up to apologize. Yeah. But like, I like that they've become mates. Yeah. (laughs) But they're, but they are saying to her, if you want to ever want to hang out one night, just for a Yeah. Yeah. But then she, uh, they, I didn't know if there was a bit, there's obviously some double entendre Grot going on there Mm. where she, you get one end of the conversation where, I think she's trying to make Jonathan a bit jealous. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's talking about, no, I will not share my body with two of you. And it cuts to them and th- they say, I was just saying sorry the other night was such a cock-up. Yeah. <laughs> That's grot. That is grot. She's like that a lot. She's just like, how does a lobster grab you? Um, wow. I've like, also written... I've written one down, but I haven't attributed it to someone. I've just written down, you'd be amazed the strength I've got in this hand. <laughs> I don't know who said that. <laughs> But yeah. it uh, is definitely about wanking. So there you go. <laughs> Bit of romance update, though. Got quite a lot of different things. Like, But Maddie ditching Jonathan and his yeah. food um, for this sexy guy. Yeah, um, it's continuing that thread of them now that we got at the end of season two where they're now yeah. openly going off with other people in front of each other. Like the Sheila yeah. thing wouldn't be an instant. Yeah, it's kind of moved on from that. I think they've moved on to just being friends because, yeah. you know, when she comes back when he's talking to Heidi and he said, well, it's like, it almost feels like she's kind of setting him up and said, and he's so single, it's frightening. You wouldn't talk yeah. like that about someone, would you? Like in other episodes, so. we would have seen her like, she would have been quite diggy about it maybe and like yeah. not very nice to Heidi. But yeah. But then the last episode, we had them getting a bit handsy yeah and you do like when when he sees maddie dancing with one of the other guys he has got this look on his face like he's definitely sad but it's almost like acceptance by this point where he's just like oh well this is where we are again you know yeah also jonathan shouldn't be that interested in heidi they don't seem to have much in common it's kind of weird isn't it yeah yeah i think it's just like because she's a very pretty lady and it's showing yeah a little bit of attention maybe i think it's quite sweet you know this event at the beginning yeah. I don't know if it's intentional or not or whether I'm just drawing the comparison. The shot of them scrunched up at the bar is exactly yeah. like when they first meet. Oh, yeah, he stabs is, her yeah. finger. It's a recreation of that shot. Do you know what's really funny as well? While I was watching that, 
um, I was like, why are they both standing by the bar? That's so ridiculous. And as I was thinking it, Maddie was like, this is stupid, us both standing here. I was like, yeah, there you go. Good. Well done. Also, um, I love that it's not really party food. It's a full-on plate of chili. Yeah. That's quite British, that, isn't it? <laughs> oh, they, when they in that nice beer garden at the end, I was trying to work out which pub it was. Um, yeah, we've been to a pub that's a little bit like that uh, down by the tobacco docks. You... you know that pub? Yeah, yeah that, the Sam, Sam Smith's. Smith's. Yeah. I was... Th- I was thinking that exact pub when I was watching that. Yeah, because it feels like that like outside bit that's on the Thames, but it's still got like the little wood bit up. Oh, that's so good, that is. Um, it, mate, I'm not even into Sam Smith's beer. I would take a Sam Smith uh, pint right now. Like They have nice pubs, sort of thing. Yeah, they do. They're always like really nice and old, aren't they? Um, I quite like that. There's a really nice bit, actually, um, and it's kind of like, I guess, about their relationship and about them. Uh, but Maddie says... God, you could be talking uh, in medieval Latin for all the sense that it makes. And I kind of like, I guess we haven't had that for a while where it talks about them just misconstruing each other and not being able to get on the same page about a lot of stuff, you know? Um, and that kind of hits that home a little bit, which I quite like. Also, it's a really odd thing that it's kind of built up that Jonathan, or suggested that Jonathan is forcing these extra takes because he gets basically cast in the film oh, as like the yeah. back of someone's head. And it's a really odd thing. That's, and he says like take 15 when he's got to uh, kiss this beautiful woman. And it's like it's kind of like implied that he's doing it on purpose. But I don't know if that's just because we're seeing it through Maddie's eyes. Maybe. Yeah. Bloody Paul Dark, Jonathan Creek. Yeah, we get we, it's a nice end. Well, is it nice? I don't know. And I quite like it. So I was like, you know, there's a word for what you are. Predictable. <laughs> Um, just we're going, we're getting these little sitcom endings. I mean, I'll take that over the Jewish humor line. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a word for what you are. Predictable. On the next episode, we're looking to the skies and wanting to believe in the Omega Man. Up the Creek is produced by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about games, movies, basically anything fun, including 23-year-old BBC shows about a magician's assistant who lives in a windmill. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG.